0: United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast.
1: I'm joined now by former Ambassador William Taylor, Vice President of the Russia and Europe Center at the U.S. Institute of Peace. He was a former ambassador to Ukraine. Ambassador Taylor, welcome back and good morning. How are you?
0: good laura how are you doing
1: i'm doing great thank you so much we understand that president Zelensky is set to visit lawmakers in washington this week may also make an appearance in new york of course for that highly anticipated event that is happening as well um i wonder you're just now back from kiev recently tell me what is the state of affairs there in terms of just the political climate and the atmosphere among the ukrainians
0: Laura, the Ukrainians, as you know, <clears throat> have been fighting for 19 months. Um, they are grimly determined, Laura. They are determined um, that they're going to win this war. Um, they know, they know that the, in order to win this war, they need the support of the Americans, of the Europeans, of NATO, um, of the rest of the alliance that the Americans have put together. So, so, they are very appreciative of that, and they are determined that they are going to win. So when President Zelensky comes here this week, as you just said, he's going to be making that case, that this is important for us, it's important for them, it's important for world, international security, and he's going to be, he's going to have the the people, the Ukrainians behind him when he makes that case.
1: You know, I wonder what the impact on the sentiment towards the United States and, of course, his request for more funding will be given that the government shutdown here is still looming and the most recent, at least, House bill that has discussed did not include the White House request for $40 billion in additional funding for natural disasters and, of course, the war in Ukraine, which Senate leaders are, are desiring of. Does that impact, do you think, the way in which Zelensky may approach his case?
0: It makes it urgent um it makes it clear that he has to make the case to all americans he's he's comfortable listening you know he's gotten assurances uh from the administration he's gotten assurances from the senate he's got assurances from many of the leaders in the house that this will pass um uh but he knows he's got to make this case he knows he's got to appeal to americans he knows that he's got a fertile Feel there, that the Americans want to support Ukraine, the Americans want to oppose the Russian bullying of a a smaller nation, but he knows he's got to make this case.
1: What is it that is most needed in terms of the aid we're talking about?
0: Right now, so there are two things, Laura. There's a short-term need, most needed, and there's a long-term need. The short-term need um, is for the weapons that he needs in order to push the Russians out of his country. He's in the middle of a counteroffensive right now. Um, and it's making slow grinding progress, but it's, it's all three of those. It's slow and it's grinding, but it is progress. He's making progress uh, in pushing the Russians back in order to do that. He needs the continued flow and even increased flow of ammunition for his artillery. These long range missiles, um, that uh, that have been coming, that have been under discussion for some time. That there's some indication that they'll be coming. There'll be an announcement this week, and they can come. So that's in the. And then he needs he needs uh, anti aircraft. The the the, uh, the Russians are bombing Ukraine, and he needs the weapons to knock those bombs out of the sky before they explode. That's in the short term. Um, in the longer term, he needs assurance, Laura. He needs some kind of indication that once he pushes the Russians out of his country, they won't come back for years. And to get that, it's the assurance that the Americans, that the Europeans, that others can give him that will allow him to deter another attack from the Russians.
1: And that assurance is in the form of continued backing or in the form of uh, a rollout of continuous supplies and ammunition and weapons for a counteroffensive i'm trying to get an understanding of what would what would be the ultimate assurance that would signal to of course vladimir putin not just the psychological aspect of um Zelensky, but the psychology, psychology of vladimir putin to not strike again
0: the ultimate guarantee the ultimate assurance exactly you're you, that's exactly the right question Laura the ultimate assurance guarantee is membership in NATO Putin will not attack NATO he knows that that would be suicide and and he's never attacked NATO um so he will not attack NATO um and if Ukraine is in NATO I should say when Ukraine is in NATO because that decision's made the only question is when um when when Ukraine is in NATO, that will be the guarantee. That's the answer to your question. How do we guarantee n- Ukraine in NATO?
1: What are the prospects of Ukraine ever being a part of it?
0: Very good. Very good. So the the uh the NATO summit um last July in Vilnius um made it very clear, clearer than it had been before. I mean, there have been some promises. Uh, made since 2008 to Ukraine, that uh, that NATO had said you're going to be in just sometime. Well, that was 2008, and nothing really happened. But last July um, in Vilnius, the NATO summit said you will be in, and and it's going to happen. Your future is in, and now the the only question is what happens at the next summit, Laura, which will happen this coming next July uh, of next summer in Washington when they will, Ukrainians expect hope and can anticipate being invited to start the process, invited to start the talks, uh, the accession talks, membership accession, accession talks that will get them into it. Know- That's the message to President Putin.
1: Now you talked to NATO and EU officials about Ukraine accession while you were in Brussels. What was the nature of those conversations? And as much as Ukraine feels upbeat about joining, did the NATO and EU officials also feel that way?
0: They did. They absolutely did. Both, actually, it turns out both the EU and NATO officials felt that way. Uh, the EU is going to give a strong signal, by the way, this is separate, but uh, it's going to give a strong signal this fall to Ukrainians to begin the accession talks, exactly what has to happen uh, for them to get into the EU. That's a long process, but that process can start like in this January. And at NATO, it turns out, Lars, so interesting, in Vilnius, uh, most of the NATO nations, most of the NATO members in Europe um, we're ready to give the invitation to Ukraine to start the process to join NATO. There were only two members of NATO that were hesitant and that blocked consensus. Sadly, one was the United States and the other was Germany. Uh, but but that is a strong foundation to build on over this next seven or eight or nine months until the summit next July. And so, yes, the NATO the NATO officials are upbeat, just like the Ukrainians are, that this will happen next July.
1: You know. The fact that we have all the funding going towards Ukraine, and and as we know, there's there is universal condemnation, it seems, of um, of Russia. But the idea of there not being universal support for funding indefinitely is a real concern, I think, for many people looking at these issues and what it would take to ultimately push back Russia to not cede any territory to the Russians whatsoever, and a lot of it has come down to the counter-offensive and the ability to gauge the success of it. Obviously, from where I'm sitting and from where the American electorate are, are viewing it, we're getting information about it, but the length of this invasion, um, I think that at times leaves us unable to really understand and measure the success of the counteroffensive. Do you get a sense of, of how to quantify, in many respects, the counter-offensive and the success of Ukraine with the funding they have so far?
0: Laura, there's no, nobody wants success of that counteroffensive more than the Ukrainians. Um, they have been preparing, training, building up their capabilities, and they're fighting it the way they see it to be fought. Um, and, and they're doing it in a, in a way that many observers, many military experts see is it makes sense. That is, they are pushing here. They're probing there. They've got a major effort down in the south that moves toward the sea of Azov, where they will cut off the Russians and their supplies to Crimea. So the Ukrainians want it to happen. They're pushing as hard as they can. They don't want to just throw their, their soldiers into a meat grinder like the Russians have done. So the Ukrainians have this idea and they want it done. And the the metric um, that you asked for, it's it's we should watch what the Ukrainians are doing. Um, they are making, as I say, slow grinding progress, making progress. And we just need to keep the support coming. We need to keep the support. They've still got time. This even this this season, this fighting season, they got time um, to make some more, even more progress. And it could happen. The Russians, Laura, are tire, more tired, have lower morale, have bigger problems than the Ukrainians. So you can look to see the Russians Flagging as well.
1: Do you have a sense of what impact the weather change is going to have now on all of this? I remember very keenly when we first learned of the invasion, we were all sort of learning in real time about the terrain, about the impact of the weather, about the seasons, and the ability to either mount a defense or repel the offense, have a counteroffensive, and all, and all the like. They have always been consistently against a kind of clock where one's leverage is determined by the season and what can be done throughout that are we at another crucial point in time where the weather and the changing conditions could swing the leverage again
0: so remember last year about this time um uh the ukrainian counter-offensive at that time against kharkiv and then against kherson two major successes um, um that was done that was done in the fall um, and then the, you're, you're exactly right. in the, in the wet season, when the rainy season and later in the fall, uh, things kind of slowed down. Um, that could happen. The Ukrainians, however, are, will not stop. They will if it rains, they still fight. Um, they know they need to push the Russians out of their country. They will still fight. It'll be a different kind of a fight. Some wheeled vehicles will not be able to go through the mud. Um, most track vehicles can. Uh, they can still do the kind of uh, battle. that It'll be a slower, different kind of a fight, but they will continue this fight. They know they have to win. They know they have to get the Russians out of their country um, and reclaim their territory.
1: Finally, what do you hope to see? What will you be looking for specifically today or this week when the world leaders are meeting in New York City for the UN General Assembly? And I note that I believe President Zelensky is planning to make an in-person appearance at the meetings as well. President Biden's going to be the only leader of the permanent five members of the U.N. Security Council in attendance. What will you be looking to hear and see?
0: President Zelensky will make a strong case to the U.N., um, to supporters and skeptics alike, um, that this is this fight, this war that the Russians have imposed on Ukraine, they didn't ask for it. He will make the case that this battle, this fight, this war that the Russians are are, are undertaking against Against Ukraine affects all nations. Um, if 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 nations want a world where big nations don't invade small nations, if big nations don't colonize small nations, then Ukraine has to win. And President Zelensky will make that case for a rules-based order and opposed to colonization. And I think that will that will reverberate um, in the UN.
1: Really important to hear your perspective in particular, Ambassador William Taylor. Thank you for joining us so much this morning. I appreciate your time.
0: Laura, thanks for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.